Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders on what is recorded on a gorgeous Sunday in Carpety. It is round four of Shiny Side Up Bike Fest coming to you from the car park of the Southwood Car Museum. The biggest event not only by area but by numbers. And I'm looking over towards the main gates of the Southwood Car Museum. It's just gone uh, 5 to 10. The event doesn't kick off till 10 o'clock but we have a mountain of motorcycles coming in in convoy and I feel like we're going to run out of space here as far as parking goes at this event. We've got a whole lot more. We've got the usuals. Jake Whitaker, Dave Moss here doing suspension tuning. We've got Dave McKenna doing uh, the stunt riding. I mean, he is a stunt rider. He's Yamaha's factory stunt rider. Uh, so we'll be catching up with him as the day goes on. IAM Road Smarter here. MSAC are here. Of course, Motorcycle Safety Advisory Council doing the motorcycle helmet checks. Somebody's going to win an $800 helmet uh, simply by showing their helmet to the team at MSAC. Ride Forever are here, NZTA are here, and we're going to try and catch up with as many people as we can, as well as, later in the episode, we're going to catch up with uh, Matthew Day Gillett for the news. Hopefully his baby's not quite born yet, and we have time to do that. Uh, and later in the episode also, we're going to catch up with a young man, Ryan Hampton, who is forging new ground. He has uh, an electric motocross bike, and we're going to find out all about it. We're at Shiny Side Up Bike Fest here in Carpety. Uh, let's get into it. Joining us once again is Dave Moss, suspension tuning wizard. Good morning. Good morning from Hogwarts. <laughs> Hogwarts? What am I missing here? Wizard. Didn't you say wizard? Oh, I see. Right, 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 right. A bit early, sorry. A bit early. I need another coffee. Uh, firstly, you've been tripping around the country, sometimes in the middle of the night, on that uh, tracer of yours. Uh, how have you been finding getting around New Zealand again? As long as you leave at 2.30 in the morning, generally you go through big cities and it's very quiet. It's quite lovely, actually. <laughs> there's no problems, no transportation issues, and there's no line for coffee either. So I think I might change my transportation schedule to uh, 2 in the morning until whenever, because it's so much easier. 2 in the morning on some of the corners and uh, some of the roads around the country must be uh, a lot easier to, to get around as well. Actually, for me, it's a lot scarier because there's a lot of wildlife. Um, and coming around the corner, if you run into something that's there, you might not even see it in the dark and your headlight may not pick it up. So a lot slower in the dark, actually, because if you can't see the pelt or the animal on the road, then the odds are you're not going to do too well afterwards. But that also makes for a much more relaxing ride. Makes sense, makes sense. A good safety message there too. Yes. Um, you're here at Shiny Side Up. You are doing a lot of uh, bike setups and ergonomic setups, suspension tuning. Uh, what can we expect today? Have you seen what kind of bikes you're going to be working on today? I've already put three through the tent because they pleaded when they met me at a BP station in Capiti. So I had them show up early. So we've done uh, a DFL, we've done a VFR 1200, and uh, we have done a Ninja 636. All of them incredibly uncomfortable. A um, lot of pain, a lot of suffering in the neck and hands, which was easily sorted out. And then putting the cable tie on the front fork, they really didn't understand what that was for. And now they do. So at that point, as soon as they realized the relevance of the cable tie, they understood why the, the bike is too hard or too soft, not that it beats them up. It beats you up, why? So at that point with the cable tie, as long as you mark bottom out, you know exactly where you're at and so adjusting suspension becomes much easier. And on the DFL, the shock's right on the side and you can physically see the entire shock. So then with him seeing that he could only use half his travel, that understood and helped him 
even at two weeks old in terms of purchase and riding time, um, he understood exactly why he was getting beaten up. So now he has the mental frame of reference as well as the physical capacity to change the rider adjuster. Now I've done a lot of binging on your YouTube videos in the last uh, four, three, four weeks and I've learned an awful lot. But um, if people want to learn more about uh, how to set up their suspension um, from you, what are the best ways to, to get in touch with you and, and, and learn from the media that you've got out there? So YouTube is Dave Moss Tuning. Um, when you go there, there's 20 years of work. So in the search bar, rather than scroll the videos, go ahead and put in a topic. Tires, suspension, forecoil, uh, pressure, all of those things in the search bar and then the appropriate videos will come up. Even on some of the introduction videos, there's three to five nuggets of gold in there that you can leverage and use. <clears throat> so don't just pass over a trailer or an intro because there's some really valuable information. And actually, to be honest, most of those intros, and there's a lot, two of the five key points of the video. So you're already way ahead there. If you want something more technical, go to the website, to davemostuning.com, and then there's 45-minute videos. There's massive in-depth articles on settings and setting changes and tire pressures and testing and geometry. Because when you buy new tires, there's no bad tires, there's just bad information. And one of the things I found in New Zealand is people pay a lot of money for tires. And you probably, uh, a good idea would be searching the type of bike potentially because you've got a lot of footage up there. I found videos about my bike. Yeah, exactly. If you want to type in your bike and model, that's a great thing to do. And then the other thing that we've had some very inter interesting up close and personal discussions on sometimes in in somebody's personal space when they've approached me is that tire pressure on a sticker isn't the tire pressure for you if your bike is a 2000 and you have 2019 tires on your bike's tires that it came with are extinct so why are you using 2000 pressures on tires that don't exist off the sticker or from the manual so uh, I think this year's focus on tires and tire pressures has netted a ton of very positive feedback but people are very stuck is probably the best polite word to use on numbers that are in the manual. But when you step back, you and I are different weights with different heights, with different anatomies, and we ride totally different. So on my Pirelli GT2, for example, for this year, I found that 43 in the front is great and 41 in the rear is excellent. And that's the first set of tires I've ever used where the pressure in the front is higher than the rear because literally, normally, it's always the other way around. Also, if my bike came out with Michelins and I'm now running Dunlops, is, does that make a difference? So even within a brand with models of tires, the circumference can change up to four centimeters. So the best way to explain that for people that are listening is shove your hand between the tire and the mudguard, front and rear. How much can you get in? And then when you change your tires, even if you change within a brand, shove your hand between the tire and the mudguard again, what changed? And what changed is the geometry of the motorcycle. So it might not turn anymore or it might turn so fast it scares the living daylights out of you. We don't think about tires. What we do is buy them. And there's no universal mold for any tire of any size. Everything is different. So get your hands dirty and Kiwis love playing in the mud. But this time play with your tire and your mud guard and see what happened to your motorcycle. And then you can fix it by moving your forks up or down. Outstanding. Dave Moss, DaveMossTuning.com and on YouTube, search out Dave Moss. Thank you very much for your time, uh, not only this morning, in the last four weeks, and coming here to Shiny Side Up, um, traveling through the night to get to some of your tuning engagements. Uh, I look forward to catching some of your chats with uh, people coming to get their bikes looked at throughout the day. Brilliant, thanks you very much for being here as well. Hope you've enjoyed Shiny Side Up um, and the experience that we bring to motorcyclists in New Zealand, which honestly is extraordinary. You don't find 
things like this very much around the world. You have to go to a race event, and most people don't really want to go to a race event. They just want to hang out and chat and learn some stuff in, in a quiet and fun surrounding with people that are very articulate, have great knowledge, and are open and willing to share that without coming up with price first. Catching up now with Ross Gretton, two, two bald bikers motorcycle training. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Good, you too. Uh, thanks for coming out to uh, to the Southwood Car Museum, Carpety, uh, in your territory for your motorcycle training. Absolutely. Look, we love. We, this is the uh, the fourth year we've been here, so we've been here from the from the get go. It's just a great opportunity to get in touch with people, to just take the time to have a bit of a chin where we're not all on the bikes riding. So it's it's a fantastic day. It is a fantastic day. The fourth event of four and uh, I've enjoyed every single one of them. Two Wheel Bikers Motorcycle Training, and we've talked to you previously, I've done all my courses through you guys, whether it be CBTA or Ride Forever. Tell me about Two Wheel Bikers. How many instructors have you got? What's the story? So Two Wheel Bikers Motorcycle Training uh, was started by myself and Stuart Nelson in 2013. We started out with absolutely nothing but one broken down GN250, but with a passion to see riders get better. And that's been our drive and it will continue to be our drive and, until we stop doing this. Uh, we're now uh, running courses from Taranaki across to Hawke's Bay and everywhere south and we love every minute of it. Uh, we have a couple of contractors who work for us as well but uh, it'll always be that same two bull bikers experience and we want to make sure that people enjoy everything and if you're not laughing when you're having your course then we're doing something wrong. Well, that's a fair bit of territory you guys cover. How many kilometres do you do on two wheels in a year? I think last time we checked, we're averaging about 50,000k a year. And what do you do as an instructor to keep your skills sharp? Well, we do a lot of cross-pollination with other instructors, so we have some other schools that we work in with and we ride together. Stu and I cross-check each other pretty much every month, so we'll go out and he'll check me. And if I'm doing anything wrong, he loves telling me. And I'm the same thing. It's about keeping each other honest. You know, so we practice what we preach. And to be honest, there's nothing that makes you focus on your own skills like having to teach someone else. Brilliant. Uh, so two board bikers, motorcycle training, uh, CBTA and Ride Forever. If people want to, in the Wellington region or indeed apparently the lower North Island, want to get hold of you guys to find out more, what's the story? So you can go to our website, www.twoballbikers.co.nz. Call us on our 0800 number, 0800 560 and one of our lovely office staff will be able to talk you through everything we do. We also do basic handlings in the Wellington region. We also do in Manawatu and Fielding. So if anything you want, give us a call. If it's not listed on our site and you want something special I'm sure we can come up with something. And of course rideforever.co.nz as well. Absolutely. Awesome, thank you very much for joining us at Shiny Side Up and I look forward to catching up with you as the day goes on and talking about some more motorcycle related topics. Fantastic, you have a great day. And congratulations on the new one, just uh, just waiting to be born too. Why thank you very much. Time now to take a break from all the fun of the fair that is Shiny Side Up in Carpety and cross to Matthew Day Gillett back in the studio with the news. Indian Motorcycle has announced a new entry into the Scout family with the unveiling of the 2020 Scout Bobber 60, but there's a catch. Just like the Scout 60 we have seen here previously, the Scout Bobber 60 is powered by a 999cc version of the brand's 1133cc V-twin, which makes about 78 horsepower. The Bobber 60 naturally takes its styling cues from the more powerful Bobber with a blacked out aluminium frame and chopped mudguards, yet it has a few features that set uh, it apart from the full bore 
Boss Scout Bobber. Unlike that big bore model, the Bobber 60 does without the former's headlight nacelle and bar end mounted mirrors. The latter is actually probably a good thing, they're a bit ugly in the big Bobber, uh, and features its own unique five spoke wheel design. However, don't expect to see the small bore Bobber at Kiwi dealerships anytime soon. While the New Zealand market previously did feature the Scout 60, uh, it wasn't exactly a hit as its smaller capacity engine and marginally lower price didn't really attract Kiwi riders, with many opting for the full power machines instead which are priced from $19,995. Hence it was dropped from the Kiwi lineup in around 2017. Uh, New Zealand distributors Indian Motorcycle Polaris Industries confirmed to Kiwi Rider that the new Bobber 60 will not be brought into the Australasian marketplace. However, if riders are interested in the 999cc Bobber, they can special order it through their local Indian motorcycle dealer. Former Gas Gas models are set to live on. Yep, that's right. While KTM recently debuted the all-new Gas Gas range at the UK MXGP, uh, Gas Gas's former owners Toro have sold the rights to the previous generation of bikes to Spanish firm Reju. Uh, announced by Reju earlier this month, an agreement has been reached between the two Catalan companies that will see Toro sell Reju all of the intellectual and industrial property formerly associated with the Gas Gas Enduro motorcycle platform that will now be manufactured and marketed under the Reju brand. This agreement allows Reju to an immediate presence in the off-road competition segment with larger capacity machines than usual for Reju, as well as a significant expansion of our client portfolio and important openings into new markets, says Reju CEO Jordi Reira. Uh, we are excited for this new venture and the enormous challenge that it entails. We have enormous experience in our design manufacture and distribution structure, so we are convinced that this project will be a success for our company. Assembly will begin at the Reju factory in Figures, uh, with distribution of the bikes set to begin in June with the bikes market as 2021 Reju models. Uh, there's a new quickest Triumph in town and uh, it's not what you'd expect. Uh, while it's no secret that the all new Triumph Rocket 3 takes the crown as the biggest production motorcycle with its 2500cc inline triple, the fact that this can propel the new bike forwards in blisteringly quick fashion comes as an afterthought. Triumph motorcycles must have known that when we think of the giant new Rocket 3 we think of its monstrous 221Nm of peak torque over anything else. So they set out to show off just how quickly the big bike can rocket its way to 260mph from standstill. Uh, we're betting even they weren't prepared for the result. Our goal was to showcase the exceptional performance of the Rocket's unique all new 2500cc triple power plant, says Triumph Motorcycles Chief Commercial Officer Paul Stroud. With the Rocket 3 lineup, we have consistently shown that we can build the highest capacity production motorcycles capable of offering incredible performance and capability in return. Wanting to highlight this, Triumph Motorcycles packed up shop and headed to Spain with a team of engineers ready to showcase just what the big Rocket is capable of. Taking place at the Cartagena track in Spain, Triumph's team of engineers prepared a pre-production version of the all-new Rocket 3 under the direction of Triumph's chief engineer, Stuart Wood. In addition to achieving optimal grip, the team attached great importance to making weight savings across the bike where they could. But with that said, Triumph claims that the Rocket 3R used was a near-production model. Uh, only the mirrors and number plate holder were removed as required for race the racetrack environment. So what they actually removed versus actual weight savings it's negligible uh, the triumph team were also supported by british tire manufacturer avon who supplies the avon cobra chrome tires for the rocket 3 uh, stuart wood commented their expertise fed directly into the project the record would not have been possible without our partners avon 
has been the our tire partner for the Rocket 3 project and ensured all the necessary grip and stability. The Avon Cobra chrome tires already used in the Rocket 3 lineup were developed especially for this model and offer exceptional growth and incredible durability. Looking at how they smoked the rear tire on the way to their record speed, which 0 to 60 miles an hour, which is basically 0 to 100k in 2.73 seconds. That's faster than a Harley Davidson Livewire. The unnamed test rider of the record breaking Rocket 3 said it had incredible acceleration. It was great to experience this truly incredible acceleration, he said. It's hard to describe just what this motorcycle is capable of. The Rocket 3R was well prepared and I felt very confident, even in the racetrack setup. As early as the first attempt we made, I felt that the acceleration was so strong that we would be successful. The Rocket 3R ran perfectly and the track and weather conditions were ideal. The whole team did a fantastic job. Uh, after they broke the uh, 060 record, the team <laughs> were able to enjoy the Rocket 3 to its limits. Uh, and basically in the video, which uh, if you want to watch it, go, uh, take a gander at next week's Kiwi Rider uh, for the full video here. But they essentially took the big Rocket 3R and used it like a track bike. Drifting corners, carving corners, you name it. Uh, the Triumph Rocket 3 recently landed in New Zealand dealerships and is priced from $34,990, with Triumph also producing 750 very exclusive examples of the new Rocket 3 in Triumph factory custom trim for the global market. No word yet on how many of those bikes made their way to New Zealand. And that's it for this week's Kiwi Rider podcast news. Uh, for all the latest uh, news, head to onthrottle.co.nz or pick up the next edition of Kiwi Rider from your inbox. Time now to catch up with a young man who's forging new ground. He attended the Burt Munro rally a few months ago, and, well, he's following in the footsteps of the great Burt Munro himself by forging that new ground. Let's catch up with the man, Ryan Hampton. All right, so the name is Ryan Hampton, and the bike that I'm riding is an Alta Redshift, and they have three different models, but the one that I'm riding is the MXR, the 2019 model, and that is the motocross version. So um, have been doing a bit of motocross with it. We've got a, a round of, well, the first round of the TT Flat Tracks down here, just a local club championship this Sunday. And uh, I've also been, been playing around, uh, learning sort of where and what we can do and converted it to a motard and competed down at the Burt Munro as of uh, last week, sort of weekend. And uh, yeah, just sort of learning as we go and uh, just breaking new grounds really and winging it really is um, the short and the long of what we've been doing all right so the bike that you are riding tell me tell me all about it what what is it so I, uh, when i first heard about them and um, got the opportunity to to have a play on what was at that point the first and the only ultra new zealand um i sort of i, I just sort of took it with a bit of a grain of salt really and um, thought like i'll have a look at it and, you know just it out and I to be honest I thought it would be a bit gimmicky because um, a lot of stuff that I've seen like with my racing in the uh, ASBK and the Superbike Nationals and Aussie they had the electric bikes over there and like they're fast to an extent but they had a long way to go so I sort of didn't really expect too much but when I saw it I thought no okay these these are actually something that can compete with the ice motors or the uh, ice bikes so the internal combustion engines um, so the, the the one that I saw then was a 2018 versus the 2019. There's not a lot of difference between them, just a few revisions. But straight out of the crate, these things are 50 horsepower. So you're talking uh, like just under 37 kilowatts. Um, 
they are a little bit heavier than a traditional uh, motocross bike. So these weigh in somewhere around about sort of the 117-ish marks or a knocking on the door 120, depending on what you uh, put onto them. Um, and yeah, the, the biggest thing is just the, the torque. Um, like, it's just unreal. It's like nothing I've ever ridden before. Um, they're just under 200 newton meters of torque, so 147 foot pounds. But just the acceleration factor uh, was what blew me away when I first jumped on it because they have four different modes. Uh, obviously, being electric, you just turn the thing on. There's no noise. You just hear a bit of a whirring of the fan because I've got a water pump internally that pushes um, coolant around the core of the battery. But you just hear that. Um, hit the button to live the motor or get the thing uh, into like drive mode, so to speak. And then away you go. There's no gears. There's no clutch. Uh, the only noise you hear is either road or um, like track noise. You can actually hear the knobs spinning around if you're on a hard pack track. And then chain and sprocket noise. But yeah, first time I jumped on it, um, I was a little bit sort of just you know, feel it out like you do. And I got the feel of it and got the hang of it pretty quickly. Uh, but just the acceleration factor was what blew me away for a dirt bike. Like compared to like the you know, an HP4 um, or a CBR and the sort of stuff that I've ridden and raced previously, like they're, um, you know, those are quick bikes, but you're talking a quarter of the uh, horsepower that these things have got. So um, the acceleration factor in terms of power to weight just blew me away. It was just quite astounding. And one thing led to another, really, and um, we had a few had a few yarns and decided we were going to have a play at uh, the, the next available motocross meeting which actually, as it turns out, is um, this meeting that I'm attending this weekend, but a year ago. So this will mark sort of the first year anniversary of um, when we rolled the thing out of the van and got a few very, very strange looks. But, um, yeah, they're uh, obviously fully electric. Um, they're 350 volt, so it's a, a reasonable amount of um, charge between your legs there um, and one speed. So, again, you're no clutch, no gears. It's just... Once the thing's live, twist the throttle and hang on. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. That is absolutely fascinating and I, I, I want to know more. Uh, so you, you, you take it to motocross events, uh, I see that you took it uh, in motard form to the Burt Munro. Yep. yep. Yeah, so that the bike that I rode down there in the motard, that is exactly the same bike that I've been competing on in the motocross. Um, so Alta, they produced three models. One of them was the MXR, so that's the motocross bike, and that's the one we've got. They then did the EXR, so that's like an enduro version, but road legal. Um, I've actually got one of those sitting in the garage at the moment, and I literally put a plate on it yesterday. So it's road legal, registered, warranted, completely legit for New Zealand. A uh, little bit sort of under the radar that, well, was until about now. Um, but yes, yeah, I'm planning on finishing that one today, and uh, yeah, that one's going to be a completely legal electric motard for the road. Um, and the other one they do is the SM, and that is a, a motard version, but that one has an inbuilt charger in it, whereas the EXR and the MXR, you have to um, have a st- standalone charging unit, which is just in like a suitcase that you plug in and that then plugs into the bike, but the SMs have it built in. So you get to where you want to go, um, obviously designed for America, so they're an American setup, but you just plug them into the wall wherever you are in the States and juice up the bike. So um, those are the three models, but yeah, the MX is the one that we've got, 
And basically all I've done is um, spent a lot of time sitting on the net, um, Googling, researching, checking out forums because there's just no information on the technical, like what this fits and what it converts to and what you can actually sort of shoehorn in here and there. Um, so, yeah, I've spent a lot of time figuring things out. Uh, the bulk of the bike is based around KTM. So the likes of your, your rims, wheels, hubs, the swing arm, forks, a lot of the control in terms of your um, levers and whatnot, they're all KTM. Foot pegs are based around, uh, as I found out, YZF250 Yamaha. So I managed to get a set of them to put onto it. And the front guard and the number plate is Honda CRS. The rest of it is all um, standalone Ulta design. But, um, yeah, after a bit of research and mucking around, I managed to uh, find the right sort of rims to put into it. We could only squeeze a 4.25 rim in the back, whereas, like, Motard, you really need at least a 4.5 to a 5 to be able to run the Motard profile. But um, it actually worked out not too bad because the 425, well, 4.25-inch rim meant that I, uh, I had to run a 160, 60 by 17 rear tyre so I could ride it like what I was used to on the road in terms of a road racer and um, yeah it was it was just uh, it was hard to describe really because I sort of went down there uh, just hoping to make it through the event without having some catastrophic failure which I wasn't expecting but being that I finished the bike um, on the Monday before the event it was really just like last minute Larry stuff and as usual it's the way it pans out but the um, the axle not fitting was something I didn't allow for time wise. And um, yeah, when I went to put that front wheel in with the Motard front end, uh, the MXR axle is like four mil too small. So that was sort of problem central right then and there. And managed to get another one uh, custom machined up uh, pretty quickly, which was very helpful. And uh, yeah, finished it off. Monday evening and took it out to Erdlings Flat on the Tuesday and uh, just did a bit of a run up and down the road to make sure everything was all okay and uh, I had brakes and uh, just tested gearing really so yeah she's been um, uh, a lot of effort to, um, to to get everything sorted but finally it's there and when I want to do it again I know where I'm going and I know where I'm at so yeah she's it's been a ride basically. Is this the future for motocross and motards? Oh, right now, um, I'm going to say no. Um, I can see that there is absolutely, um, like, this is going to be the, the, like, distant future. It's not like the right now. Um, it's coming, basically. But like anything, you know, you look at mobile phones as the example I normally refer to and um, the development that they've had in the last, you know, decade, give or take, it's massive. And, you know, batteries are lasting longer. You've got, most people have got a huge amount of processing power in their iPhones or their Samsungs compared to what they were. It's the same sort of thing with these. So you'll get more life or more duration out of the battery and eventually you'll get more power out of them. So this one's 50 horsepower, but there are um, other bikes out there um, that have, like, claim more, like I've heard of them being up to 60. And again, like, it doesn't take much, and like I'm, I'm not real schooled up in electrical um, bits and pieces. I've, I've grown up with motors, like pretty much everybody has. So um, you know, you don't have to go dropping high compression pistons and high lift cams in and decking the head and doing all that sort of thing. Um, there's just ways and means of 
uh, like not exactly, but sort of switching a few wires around and bypassing a few bits and pieces, and you can get more out of it. So, um, so there are modifications to be done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, there is. I'm too nervous to do that because yeah, I sort of don't want to have a meltdown. Um, as yeah, and especially with 350 volt, you sort of you need to know which wires to connect and which wires to sort of stay clear of, and that's sort of something on the. Uh, not too keen to get wrong at this stage. <laughs> you but, might uh, you might come out with a haircut like old Al- Albert Einstein or something. That's it. Yeah, yeah you'll, uh, you'll certainly. Yeah, it'll be a heck of a ride. That's for sure. Three to the ground and a few volts. But um, how yeah, long it, does the battery coming. last? When it comes to um, like, are you getting one race per battery? Or are you getting a day per battery? Or what's the story there? Yeah. So that was again uh, a big unknown because you're yeah, heading down to the bird. That was pretty much the most common question we had. And lining up at the hill climb. That was what I was getting at, getting asked over and over. And I'm like, seriously, I don't know. Like, I'll tell you at the end of the day. And that was pretty much how we went. It was just flying blind. But the hill climb wasn't too bad because you're only talking sort of, you know, 40-odd, 50-odd seconds and not a lot of time waiting around. So that was no problem. Um, we, we we charged it up in between runs just for the sake of it. Um, but, I mean, I reckon I could have gone and done probably at least 15 to 20 runs flat out consecutively after another and not had a problem. So that was fine. Uh, Motocross-wise, depending on the circuits, um, like if it's a general motocross track like the Stackhouse property, which is where they run the Godfrey, um, you know, I could do a whole race in MX2, which was eight laps, and that wasn't a problem. Um, you, you, lo- you use a bit of the battery. You're using roughly sort of about half the charge of the battery, and that's not a problem. So you come in and whack it back on charge, and you're good to go by the time the round is completed, and you're back to your next race. So that's not a problem. Um, beach racing was the other thing we tried down in the Burt. Um, that was probably sort of the, the least um, successful, I'd describe it as. Because, um, again, like one thing we just didn't um, allow for was the gearing. Like I went down there with a range of front and rear sprockets, but this thing's one speed. So you, you're effectively, whatever you put on there, like that's it. It's not like I can run a taller gear and use the power of the motor or just rev it out and you know lose a bit of top end power it's you're effectively running what you bring um to the extreme and um as we found out the electrical motors don't like having a lot of load on them so if you um try and gear it like a combustion engine which is what we did it's the opposite and like we were chasing our tail because we were changing different gearing ratios like this is uh, the old man and myself at the uh, hill climb trying to achieve a little bit more top end speed for down the the long straight there because it's so long and we didn't realize but we were putting more load on the motor thinking we were going the other way comparing it to combustion and it was going it was worse it was making it worse and we didn't sort of get it sorted until the end of the motarding but you know again at the beach racing the gearing was it was hopeless um i only got it was just under about two laps before I hit the thermal limiting or thermal protection. And as soon as it does that, it goes into like a bit of a limp mode sort of thing um, and it preserves the battery. So it just stops it from getting too hot and preserving the componentry in the bike. But doing that, like the bike, I was only in the 250 class because um, that's what the bike is comparable to. Um, they run it or ran it as the light or compared to a light bike in the States. And, um, yeah, I, I managed to get third in the beach racing down there. Um, only literally just got it at the last corner because, um, 
yeah, we were getting two laps and then hitting thermal limiting, and I could only get about 100 k's out of it. And, you know, I was 40, 50 k's down on speed-wise on the rest of the bikes, and I was just getting smoked in a straight line. But um, I managed to get a block pass on the last corner going to the line, which um, got me third place overall. So um, I was pretty happy with that, but it was a bit of a, a do-or-die, don't hit the brakes until it's sort of, you know, getting a bit a bit, sh- a bit sketchy. Um, but just managed to pull it off. But yeah, just it can't handle that flat out full noise for long periods of time. So the technology in that regard is not quite there. But I don't think it'll take long. And you know, some of your leading manufacturers will come out with either a fix or a, a new, um, maybe a new battery pack or just, I don't know, a new technology that'll allow it to be able to just be on the stop. Uh, like cooling is probably the biggest thing that you'd need to look into there. And, uh, yeah, once they get that sorted, though, um, they're going to be hard to beat. There's there's no question about that. Like, lining it up against 450s in the Motard, we mucked around with gearing. We must have done about four or five gearing changes at the street races. Um, I think about three or four again at the beach racing. And we were swapping batteries out. And um, hill climb again, we were doing multiple battery changes. But we got it right in the last race of the street racing. And I could, um, I had it balanced so that we had like good acceleration out of the corners, and yet we didn't sacrifice too much top end speed to try and keep up with the 450s, but not to the point where we're asking too much of the battery, and then you're hitting thermal limiting. So um, it was like it was a real fine art, which is just what we didn't account on or didn't allow for. Um, but like anything, you just learn by your mistakes. So it was a real trial and error. Um, but yeah, by the end of that last race, like that was that was a lot of fun. It was just a real shame. The um, uh, there was a rider that had an incident. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but there was a red flag after a lap and a half. But they'd shortened the race. Um, I was only getting about four or five laps at full speed there before again I was hitting thermal limiting. So you just you got to try and ride smart. Otherwise, yeah, you just you're um, you're going to kick yourself. Uh, we're going to shoot yourself on the foot by the end of the race and yeah, they shortened the race by one lap and um, I thought man we might actually have a chance here because that was my biggest problem uh, I was holding off the bikes um, to an extent but they were just smashing me in a straight line like the 450s just just destroyed me I had nothing in a straight line but uh, yeah one lap less so I thought I'll just dawdle around on the warm up lap try and conserve as much of the battery as possible and then go for a blinding start I had a pretty average qualifier i think i was 13th or 11th or something but um yeah bloody difficult trying to get off the line um up against the motard boys and um yeah that rear flag kind of screwed us because uh, we came back into the pits and i sort of looked at dad and he looked at me and sort of put my hands out like what do we do like uh, you know i can't just not that you needed to but i can't just pour some more fuel in the bike and be good to go it was um we were a lap and a half down on power so yeah, that was a real fun race, uh, but we got the gearing sorted. The guys um, that I spoke to that were on my tail said they couldn't quite, they had nothing on me on the straight lines, whereas previously they, you know, they'd have 10, 15 Ks up, up their sleeve and they'd just, they'd just eat me. And there was nothing I could do about it. But um, yeah, that last race, we were, uh, we were on the money. So I'm looking forward to just developing it more and uh, yeah, just playing around with the thing. And the biggest thing though is just having fun. Um, so I've done a bit of racing over the years where there's a lot of pressure um, you know, you've got sponsors that are looking for results um, you know, financial commitments and uh, training and all that sort of thing but 
at the moment, it's just like I'm just having fun. And uh, whatever we do is great. If we fail, so be it. We'll learn and refocus and attack it again. But, yeah, the Burt was um, – I, I, I said it at the speech down there with the uh, prize giving, but I have to say it was actually probably the most fun event I've competed in because it was just exactly that. It was just fun. And the Burt's just – yeah, it's, it's all about – just the spirit of um, both competition and just developing and yeah it's just an awesome event really so no, I'm, I'm still on a bit of a high from it to be honest Outstanding and to be fair you're kind of doing what uh, the, the late great Burt Munro would have been doing back in the day when he was reaching for his top speeds down uh, you know uh, the um, salt flats so um, it, yeah you, you're, yeah you're doing the spirit of the event uh, and it, forging it, new it, ground Exactly, yeah. I've had to sort of every now and then just sort of take a step back and sort of go, you know, hang on, this like this really is revolutionary what we're um, what we're doing here. Like admittedly I'm not going out blitzing the field, but I mean the first time we rode it, so this event a year ago, I got either two or three hole shots. I know I definitely got two, because um, I had to, I'd done bugger all riding on it, so I was really just green as green gets and I hadn't done a lot of competing nor actual training myself, so I wasn't the fittest back then. I'm still not at the moment. I just, just time work like we all do. But, um, yeah, first race sort of went okay, but the second race I, I hole shot, and I remember going into the corner, and I could see people's like, mouths open because it was a full, damn near full gate. So um, yeah, it must have been sort of mid-30s, give or take, of MX2. Uh, admittedly, they're not all you know New Zealand's best, but there's still a good bunch of riders in there that are very, very competitive. So to just roll this thing out of the van and blitz them off the line, that certainly dropped a few people's jaw, including my own, to be honest, because I remember taking off and sort of looking, and everybody just disappeared. Um, it was still very close to the to the first corner, but yeah, it was at that point I thought, like, man, this thing's just like. This is, is no joke. This is the real deal. It's, it's very competitive, and with a bit of uh, bit of TLC here and there, and a bit of development, like we can actually be quite competitive on this. So, yeah, it's it's been an awesome experience so far. Outstanding, Ryan Hampton. We'll be watching as you forge new ground in the world of electric motorcycle racing. Thanks very much for taking the time to have a yarn with us, uh, and go well. We'll we'll, uh, we'll be following your your progress when it comes to uh, motocross on that electric machine as well. Not a problem. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Outstanding. Looking forward to big things from that man, Ryan Hampton, and his electric motocross bike. Uh, we are heading now back to the final event of Shiny Side Up for 2020 and back to the thick of the action from all that happened in Carpety. Here in the Ride Forever tent, talking to John, not Dave, Dave's the other one, about signing people up for Ride Forever courses. John, can you sign me up? Yeah, of course. Uh, how long have you been riding for? Oh, that's a question. Probably 10 years-ish. 10 years? Okay, so, have you done a course before? I've done a bronze, and I've, no, I've done a silver, and I've done a gold. Yeah, okay. Am I still eligible to do another one? Yeah. So when was your last course that you took? My last course would have been about nine months ago. Yeah, okay, so you can um, sign up now and do another gold course, if you like. Um, gold course is structured to more advanced riders, so people have been riding for a long time. It's about working with a provider to um, sort of look at what you want to look at when you're on the course, rather than it being a structured syllabus. Um, so if you want to sign up your details here, Oh, so you got a fancy little iPad. Okay, we can do that. I agree to ACC passing on my information. We want to do a gold course. Rich region are we in? Uh, Wellington? 
do I have a preferred provider? Well, I've done a few with the uh, two wheel bikers, but I don't have a preferred re- supplier. Do I need one? Uh, no, so we, we say that if you do have a, a, supri- a provider that you like and you've taken the courses with before, then by all means, go with that provider as well. But we also say that each provider, while they're still teaching the same syllabus, they all have their own sort of different style of riding. So if you've taken gold course with two board bikers, you can always take another gold course with RoadSafe. You might learn something slightly different because of the way that they teach. It's all the same kind of thing, but it's just slightly different styles. So it's up to you. Well, I'll hit no, and we'll see what happens. Okay, so name. Would you like to receive the Ride On newsletter? Of course. Are you happy for us to email you a survey? Yes, of course. Submit. And that's it. Is that it? Yep, that's it. Um, uh, what will happen is that we'll just send that out to a provider. They'll get in contact with you in a week or so, find out what date works for you to take a course, and then you can book onto that course through them. How long have you had your license for, right? I've had my full license uh, probably going on two years now. Two years. So you're not eligible for cashback. If you've had your full license for five years or more, and you've completed two Ride Forever courses, silver and a gold, or two golds, then you can apply for your cash back. When you do apply, you get $100 back, uh, just paid into your bank account, and then a year later, you get another $100. Outstanding. Right, and it's it's that simple? Yep, just that simple. Just onto the Ride Forever website, rideforever.co.nz. Cool, so if people missed out on uh, Shiny Side Up, uh, they've seriously missed out on a whole lot of fun, but if they missed out on Shiny Side Up, how can they find out more about Ride Forever courses and find out maybe what course could suit them best and that sort of jazz yeah so they can go onto the ride forever website which is rideforever.co.nz on there there's all of the information if they do have any questions outside of that then there's a contact us form and that just comes straight through to the team outstanding thank you very much thanks Catching up now with Dr. Chris Hurran uh, from Deakin University. We've talked to you a couple of times uh, on the podcast over the last few weeks, but we are now in the last event of 11 for Shiny Side Up and the fourth Bike Fest. Hello and welcome again. G'day. Um, now, I just wanted to catch up uh, because I've been looking into, into Motocamp a little bit more during the week, uh, and I wanted to get your take on things. Um, so Motocamp, just refresh our memories, what you're, what you're up to. Yeah, so what we do is we buy clothing in store in both New Zealand and Australia. We get a second garment online, we take them back into the laboratory, we cut them up and test them for abrasion, how good the seams are, how good the armour is, and how comfortable it'll be to wear on a hot day, and then we put all the results free online for anyone to look at. And because we're funded by ACC and the Australian Government, we're independent of manufacturers. Outstanding. Now that website, where, where, where can we go to find, this, find out this information? So motocap.co.nz uh, or motocap.com.au. If you put motocap into Google, it'll pull it up. And uh, both websites are exactly the same place. It doesn't matter which website you use. Now, have you been surprised by some of the findings here? So definitely, we get gear that I think, oh, that won't be so good, and it performs reasonably well, and we get gear, we get leather jackets, for instance, that have two seconds of abrasion time, where leather will normally get four or five, and that's where they've used upholstery-grade leather to make the leather jacket from, so leather isn't leather as well, so... Wow, that's amazing. So um, is there correlation between price and performance? No. So in jackets and pants, we see no relationship between the price of the jacket and the, uh, or the pants and the actual protection levels. In gloves, we do see some relationship between price and protection. But once again, it's still much better to go on the motocap and see what you're getting. 
Is there something that we can look at and say that is generally going to be better than something else? So for me, the two things that are most important for me to look at are how it performs in abrasion and how it performs in its seam strength because we can always put aftermarket impact protectors in to get a better product. Outstanding. Okay. Uh, Dr. Chris Huron, it's a lot of research you guys have done. I thank you for doing the research and continuing to do the research. Uh, thank you for coming across the ditch to join us for Shiny Side Up as well. Yeah, more than happy to. And, and for me to get the message out from Motocap, if we can, can influence someone so that they make the right choice, and if they do unfortunately crash, they can hopefully get up and walk away from it. For me, that makes me feel good in what I do. Outstanding. Thank you very much. And good to talk with you. James Riley, Motor Jim Kana, round four wrapped up here at Shiny Side Up. How did you go? Um, it was an excellent, uh, excellent four weeks. Um, uh, we've uh, had some fantastic races, some really close racing, and we've just got one more uh, race to go. Outstanding. So who's who's leading so far? Where are we at? What's the table looking like? Um, we've not calculated it yet, but I think it's pretty close. Um, so far I've got two wins and two uh, bronzes, uh, two third prices. Uh, and Kieran has now got um, a couple of silvers, uh, three silvers under his belt. Um, and we have Dan who's got a uh, gold himself now, so yeah. Outstanding. It's it's. I've been so jealous watching you guys because it looks like a whole lot of fun. And I know it's a whole lot of fun. I've given it a go. Unfortunately, I've been busy. So, where do I have to go? What do I have to do to get involved in Motor Gymkhana moving forward? Um, you can start off by looking online. Um, we've got uh, coneheads.org. Uh, we've also got motogymkhananz.org. Um, but also there's lots of other places um, in international sites that you can go to to have a look at it. Um, and then you can start yourself. It's really easy. Just find an empty car park and a couple of either cones or half tennis balls to start off and uh, practice. Outstanding. James Riley, Motor Gymkhana, motorgymkhananz.org is the website on Facebook as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coneheads or Motor Gymkhana New Zealand. Great. Hey, thanks very much for making the effort to be at all four shiny side ups. Uh, and thank you for your time today and, and over the last four weeks chatting. Oh, cheers. Thank you very much. It's been great. Thanks. Mark Solly, uh, photographer and social media extraordinaire for Shiny Side Up and Wellington Riders Facebook page as well. Hello. Hello, Raymond. How are you? Fantastic. Now, you've been at all four Shiny Side Up events. Uh, you've been in previous years as well. How does this year compare? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that for me it's been great seeing the the energy of the crew and what they've put into it um it's very hard for me to see it from the perspective of someone visiting because i've been behind the scenes so much but for me yeah i've, I've seen the energy and the hard work that all the crew have put into it and that's been uh, quite ins inspiring it's been really good to, to work with a bunch of people who are really into it outstanding um any moments throughout the four weeks of shiny side up that have given you a chuckle or uh stand out in your memory as uh, as good moments of the entire tour oh. Oh, um, I'll definitely remember when Dave McKenna almost parked his bike on my foot. <laughs> there's, there's been a few moments where I've, I've been taking pictures or shooting a video and um, we've got quite comfortable with each other so he gets pretty close to me with that bike and uh, yep that's been uh, there's been a couple of moments there yeah and um, we had some good fun in Tauranga getting into the jets and, and mucking about there yeah. Outstanding now you're collating a lot of this information for Ride Forever ACC and NZTA um, but uh, I believe you record 
recorded a bit of a video with one of the talent. Um, I did shoot an interview with Chris Huron. Um, I'm not normally in front of the camera doing these things, so we'll see how that comes out. But uh, uh, yeah, we went through a bunch of questions that were asked by Wellington writers, and I tried to structure them into something that would flow as an interview. And uh, I think we answered most of their questions. So over the coming weeks, I'm going to edit that together, and we'll figure out exactly where that gets published. But um, I, th I think we've managed to hit all, all their questions. Outstanding. Well, hopefully we can uh, name some of that audio for the podcast as well. I'm sure that'll be possible. Um, final question. Uh, what's next for you? What do you do day to day? What do you ride and where are you off to now? Oh, that's a lot of questions for the end of the day. <laughs> um, where I'm off to next, uh, I might do the South Island. I feel that coming on. I've, I miss the South Island. Um, I'm riding a Z1000SX, so it's a, a touring version of a Ninja 1000. Um, and what do I normally do? Uh, anything nerdy. So um, a lot of IT stuff, photography, media, uh, software development. Uh, and in my spare time, I throw spanners around and swear in my garage. Nice. And uh, jump on Facebook and get on Wellington Riders, yeah? Yeah, for sure. Yep. So uh, that, that uh, chunk of my day, actually. Yep. And I uh, also um, uh, help organise a weekly ride, and um, that's uh, set up for some new and returning riders. And uh, I work with a, a crew of mentors that uh, put that on. And uh, so that's me, me every Tuesday night as well. Oh, you're involved in the Tuesday night rides. Because, of course, in Wellington, we're quite spoiled. We've got Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday rides. Yeah. You know, I'm usually tired from the th from the Tuesday, and I don't end up going to the Wednesday. But, uh, yep, yep, we've got a lot of weekly rides, and that's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty special, I think, yeah. If you're in the Wellington region, just jump on Facebook, search up Wellington Riders, yeah? Yep, that's the one. Uh, join up to Wellington Riders, and we've got a list of uh, the uh, weekly rides and what's going on, and uh, yeah, all the events go up on there as well. Outstanding. Mark Solly, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing some of your outstanding photos. Oh, thanks very much, and nice talking to you. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen, round four of Shiny Side Up here in Carfity, uh, catching up with a few of the talented individuals who have made this happen. Brent Tax, I caught a couple of your conversations. I hope we've recorded them because I really want to play them on the podcast. Uh, but thank you very much for, for tripping around the country and talking to so many New Zealanders. Yeah, I'm really sad to, that this is the last event. I'm just, just starting to get into the groove, and the bigger the event, the more excited I get sharing with riders and, and watching people's eyes and faces when we give information, or I give information that is so contrary to a lot of the things that they've learned and that they believe in riding. It's, it's been a hoot. I, I completely agree. I've had an absolute blast. Today, they got me on Dave McKenna's stunt bike. Really? Were you under it or on top of it? I was on top of it in front of him, and it was scary. I, I would not. <laughs> he got, he just, this is completely off topic. He got halfway down the straight. We were doing about 90 k's an hour, because all I could see was the speedo. And he goes, oh, you're a bit heavier than I expected. Yeah, well, um, yeah. I, I, I was chatting with him last night. We were sitting around with uh, all the guys. And, and yeah, he's kind of a little bit of a nut, but it really makes for good entertainment. Nobody wants to watch a sane person. I think that's one of the reasons why people always like watching my, my talks. They're never quite sure what's going to fall out of my mouth. And, the con you know, actually, I'm usually pretty surprised, too. Hey, so you've got a, a, a solo project of such to, that's coming up that we can talk about yet? Hopefully. How do we, how do we find you in oh. future? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, so, yeah, I've been talking uh, quite a bit to, to the writers here, and I'm really well known 
for a YouTube series I did for a couple of years called Motor Trek, and I focused on adventure riders and adventure rider skills. And before I went to Columbia, before I came here, I decided that I'm not going to do that series anymore. I've done most of what I wanted to offer to riders. I have 77 videos that were on that series. And I'm doing a series for street riders and for all the riders. I want to focus on the entry-level riders and the expert riders, but most of us spend most of our time on the road. And so I really am looking at, I'm super excited to do this, but teaching people about body positioning, about threshold braking, about trail braking, and all these skills that are things that we want to know how to do, and there's so much misinformation out there about them. And you know, if people want to find it, it's pretty easy. I, I wear a lot of different hats. You know, I train internationally, and depending where I am, changes my hat. In the States, I might be Tour USA or Puget Sound Safety. Here I'm with the ACC. I was just in Columbia. So I'm, I'm always wearing different hats. And so this new video series, I'm not going to brand it. All it's going to do is just be my name. So it's going to be Brett Tax. Of course, if anybody can spell it. The nice thing is if somebody Googles me, there's nobody else on the internet because I spell my first name wrong because it's Brett with one T. And I spell my last name Tax, which has a K after the T. So it's T-K-A-C-S, which nobody can spell. So if you can find me, I'm the only one. But if you misspell it, then good luck. Brain tax. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. You have a great day. Thanks for uh, chatting. Well, it's all wrapped up. That is round four of Shiny Side Up. And I've p managed to pin down both of our crazy stunt riders. Can I call you a stunt rider, Jake? Oh, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Dave McKenna on that uh, MT-09. Uh, that was crazy. Before we touch on that, you had to go on Jake's trials bike. Never ridden a trials bike before? No, never. I've seen plenty of different shows and you watched all the Jakes, but never had a go ride myself. So, And what was it like? Very difficult. They're completely different skill set altogether. I felt like I was learning to ride again. So I need, um, yeah, I need years to get anywhere near Jake's level, I think. Like, it's completely different. And Jake, you had to go on, on Dave's MTO90SP. Thoughts? Oh, that thing's a weapon, eh? Way too much power for me. I uh, didn't get it out of first gear and it was still way quicker than top gear on the bikes I'm used to. That said, we had a slow race and you were ridiculously good compared to everybody else. Yeah, well, I guess I spent my life going slow, so um, that's just what I'm used to, riding the clutch on bikes and using the back brake and stuff. So, um, yeah, I didn't really open that thing right up at all. As I said, I didn't get it out of first gear, so... <laughs> That said, there is the, the faint aroma of clutch in the air from these, I think these, uh, what are they, 50cc scooters? Yeah, I think they are. They feel like about 50ccs. We had a play on them and, um, yeah, we tried popping some wheelies and stuff on, but it's definitely all rider input to get the front wheel off the ground on that thing for sure. Yeah, I, I got it up and then started going sideways and went, hang on, how does Dave do this? Um, so that is the last of four rounds of Shiny Side Up Bike Fest. Dave, what's, that, what's next for you? Uh, so I've got a couple of weeks off, we're just preparing for new events and then there's an event in Mildura and then back to back next up to Wakefield. It's a two day, it's a super truck event, so get to bring out the um, supercharged MT-10 for that one. So Outstanding. Yeah, I don't get to ride that that often because you need a big area to let it loose, so that's good fun. 250 horsepower at the wheel, so I'll have to get Jake on that one day. <laughs> and have you got anything booked for New Zealand in the, in the coming months? Uh, no, nothing nothing until next year. We've been talking about a few different events, but yeah, hopefully we can lock something away. Love getting back here. Wicked. So uh, if people want to find out more about you, your upcoming events, Australia, New Zealand, where do we go? What do we do? Yeah, just Instagram, Facebook's all the go these days. I always give guys plenty of notice who I'm going to be and what we're doing. So yeah, Dave McKenna, Yamaha stunt rider that'll find me anywhere. Brilliant. And Jake, your upcoming events, we talked a little bit last week about them. Yeah, so that's me now for the show demonstration type riding. 
Um, I've just done these four shiny side up events and now I'm preparing for the national enduro championship starting in uh, three or four weeks, I think. Um, so you're gearing up for that and I'll just be solely getting back into race mode now and um, pack the trailer up and put it away for hopefully next year. Awesome. Well, when you uh, after you compete in your events, we want to know all about what happened and we want to know uh, your results and everything, so keep in touch. Yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm um, keeping on my Facebook page and stuff and, um, yeah, I'll keep it up to date and of all my results and stuff like that. So, cheers. Awesome, guys. Thanks very much for coming to Shiny Side Up. My pleasure. See you next year. Cheers, guys. Thanks. And that pretty much wraps up Shiny Side Up. Four events, four Bike Fest events, and of course an additional seven talk series events. Got to say a massive thank you to Ride Forever. Ride Forever, uh, ACC's flagship motorcycle brand. Also in on the mix was NZTA and MSAC, as well as every single person who came to the event, all the suppliers, all the trainers. If you haven't done one yet, sign up for a Ride Forever course. I highly, highly recommend it. We've got a lot more content that has come from Shiny Side Up coming up on the podcast in the coming weeks and months. We're going to catch up with Dave Moss. Uh, we're going to get a bit of work done on a few motorcycles and tune that suspension, set up the ergonomics and that sort of thing. Also, we're going to be talking to a few of the Shiny Side Up gurus uh, like uh, Dr. Chris Hurran, who's in on Motocamp and testing that motorcycle gear. You can see a full write-up in the next road edition of Kiwi Rider magazine. So please do hit up kiwirider.co.nz. You can get hold of us at podcast at kiwirider.co.nz as the email address. Uh, it was an epic, epic event. I can't wait for the next one. If you haven't been to a shiny side up, you don't know what you're missing out on. Next week on the podcast, we are going on an IAM observed ride. Paul Kane from IAM Road Smart will be taking me for a ride, uh, seeing what bad habits I've picked up over the years and where I can improve, and we'll find out all about IAM Road Smart. And the following week, we are going to the launch of the 2020 Beta Evo Trials Bikes. We'll be catching up with uh, NZ number one trials rider Dylan Ball and his father and finding out what it takes to be a star in the world of trials. Till then, this is Kiwi Rider. I've been Ray. Thank you very much for your company. I hope you've enjoyed our trip to the four shiny side up bike fests. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and of course the shiny side up, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. <laughs> <laughs>